0: Andrew Clements, The Loser's Club, Random House Children's Books.
1: Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today, we continue our Unraveler series with legend Andrew Clements. I sat down with Andrew last fall in St. Louis at the National Council for Teachers of English annual conference to talk about his latest book, Loser's Club. Andrew is one amazing dude. In this episode, Andrew will share how he went from a classroom teacher to a published author, his hope for all of his books, and how he came up with the idea for Frindle. You are not going to want to miss this one. It's time to unravel Loser's Club.
0: The new book is called The Loser's Club. Um, It really started with uh, you know, I was thinking about all the kids, and I, I hadn't realized how many kids are involved in after-school programs, and, um, and I started looking into them, and, you know, many, you know, the, many of the elements of, of an after-school program are, are similar uh, in that kids are given a limited degree of choice in, in a lot of after-school programs about what they can do, but they have to be doing something. They can't just, you know, sit around and, and twiddle their thumbs. And um, and I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. What if there were a kid who did just want to kind of sit around? I, I came up with this idea that, that uh, you know, well, he was going to be, you know, he didn't really want to do much of anything, and he wants to, you know, start a club, and he's going to, but he doesn't want to really do anything in the club, so he's just going to call it the Losers Club so that everyone else will stay away, and he'll be able to sit there and fiddle with his phone or do whatever. But then um, I hit on the idea that, that uh, uh, what he really wants to do is sit alone and read. He's a reader. And, and that idea grew from the fact that my wife and I, who have four sons, uh, all of whom are readers, but one of them was just, you know, and is, just a, you know, a readaholic and just loved reading. Um, there's, a, there's a moment in the story uh, where it describes the main character, Alec, at his uh, uh, birthday party when he was in, in uh, fourth grade, uh, or maybe younger third grade, where um, one of the presents is a book, and he opens that present. He's opened a few other things, and all his friends are there and whatnot. And and he opens the book, looks at it, opens it up, sits down on the floor amid the wrapping paper, and just reads for the rest of his party. Uh, because this happened, you know, to our our son Nate, and um, and that moment, you know, just kind of crystallizes that kind of reader that that loves reading more than anything else and will try to you know be you know kind of looking at the teacher and nodding but really there's a book in the lap and you're always kind of looking down to 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 try and find out what happens next because that's the big question what happens i got to get to the end start a book like this, uh, I typically write the first chapter over and over again. And, um, you know, the first chapters of, the, of, you know, that I wrote, the first first chapters of the, uh, of the Losers Club, were are kind of off in this direction of a kid who just kind of wants to do nothing, but then it, it gradually morphs into this idea where the kid is this super reader, and because he loves to read so much, he reads at inappropriate times and has been constantly in trouble with, uh, you know, being sent to the office for not paying attention in class and getting in trouble with grades and whatnot. So, as I write these first chapters over and over again, I will often have an idea about where the story is going to go. And it's like this building; I can see the outline of it. I can see the, you know, I can see that it's this long or this. You know, the, you know, I can see the general shapes and whatnot, but I don't see a door. I don't see how to get into this structure. And that's what the first chapter is. And I, and I just write the first chapter over and over again. And that will suggest other things. And Maybe I'll get two or three chapters, and then I'll say, no, it's really not quite right, and I'll go back to the beginning again and, and just kind of find the right first chapter. And when I've got the right first chapter, um, by the time I've I've done that iterative process... I'll have um, a pretty good sense of who the character is, what his attitudes are, what people's sense of him or her might be, um, and that just kind of propels me off into the story. Um, I would love to say that I organize all these things, you know, with uh, you know, uh, you know, wonderful outlines and and um, but I that's typically not the way it works. I loved to read when I was a kid, and um, uh, but I would say that I really didn't begin to appreciate children's literature until I was a teacher, and I taught fourth grade for uh, three years, or two years. I was uh, an English major at Northwestern University, um, and then I did a one-year master's program at National Lewis University. and. Um, but uh, actually being in a self-contained fourth-grade classroom and spending time reading aloud every day to uh, fourth-graders was where I really learned, uh, began to learn about children's literature and to really think about it and think about how amazing it is. Um, I had felt like I was a writer for some time, and, um, but I hadn't really worked at it. Uh, I've come to believe that there is such a thing as thinking like a writer. And uh, once I actually began to work at writing and, and uh, became something of a writer, uh, I can look back and say, oh, that was me back then, thinking like a writer. But I didn't know it at the time. Um, the, uh, I taught fourth grade for two years, eighth grade English for three years, and high school English for two years. And uh enrollments were shrinking at that period in time and um and uh, uh somewhere in the middle of my uh well in college, I guess I'd started writing songs and uh when I got married, my first year of teaching fourth grade, my wife and I began singing together and and uh, we had kind of this uh I guess we only performed uh, mostly for friends. Um, we both taught at a summer high school workshop. I was teaching creative writing and she was teaching drama. And, um, and we performed several times for those groups. We got a lot of good feedback. Then some people who knew somebody said, oh, you should talk to this person. And we had professional interests, so we thought, you know, uh, enrollments were shrinking. I was RIFT, uh, Reduction in Force, uh, which is an anagram for FIRED, RIFT, uh, two out of my last three years of teaching. And um, so we left the, uh, the world of public education for a while, and we thought, well, let's go try our hand at the re- in the really stable business of being singer-songwriters in New York City. Uh, and, um, and that was really the first time. Um, you know, it, it, it's relevant to my experience as a writer because it um, was the first time that I would kind of lock myself away for long periods of time and say, okay, I've got a pencil, paper, a guitar on my lap, and I'm going to walk out of the here. Hopefully, at the end of the day, with something new that just did not exist before, which is the essence of writing. You sit, you think, um, and something comes out, and um, so that was an important element in you know, or, or milestone in in my life as a writer. Um, uh, we learned exactly what we needed to know about being singer-songwriters in about a year. And I joined what I later learned was a great number of people who were former Eng- English teachers who believed that they could jump right into the publishing business. Um, but I was fortunate. I found a job in publishing uh, pretty quickly, in uh, publishing photo-caption how-to books. Um, and I was working as an editor, um, uh, working as uh, uh, someone who would go around and find talent to help us write this or that chapter in this or that how-to book. Um, so that was an important step. I learned a lot about the publishing business. The man who ran that uh, company, Alan Bragdon, uh, was very talented. Um, and after about a year working for him, a friend of mine that I had i had been his tutor, he was a high school junior. I was a junior in college. and. Um, he had come into some money and was starting a small publishing company and called up and said, "Would you join me and be my sales manager and help me write advertising copy and all this stuff and I said, "Yes, that was a company that some booksellers and librarians will remember It's called picture book studio and um and he uh eventually asked me to to write a picture book text for a very talented illustrator um and uh who had already done one book for us and, and we didn't have a new, new story. He said, I think you could write a picture book. Would you try? So I did. And, um, and that became my first published book in 1985, now rare and out of print. My third book, though, was for uh, a wonderful Japanese-American woman named Yoshi, an uh, amazing illustrator, did batik illustrations on silk. And I wrote a book called Big Al, which uh, persists to this day. Uh, and, um, and my, you know, a modest publishing career was off and running. I was still working for that company. My first ten books were all picture books. Um, and, um, and I came up with an idea while talking to a group of kids uh, who, you know, one of whom, you know, a kid asked, you know, where do all the words in the dictionary come from? And in explaining that, I said, well, you know, they, they're all made up by people. I said, no way. You can't make up words. I said, no, you really can. I grabbed a pen from my pocket and I said, in fact, if we all stop calling this thing a pen and began calling it a frindle, um, I just made the word up in front of this group of first and second graders in 19, oh my gosh, 1989, I think, 1990, in a second grade classroom in Rhode Island. and. Um, and I just, uh, you know, a year or so later, I, I'd, I'd use this same story that I told to those kids about how you could make up a word and how it could, if enough people start using it, the people who make dictionaries would notice because that's their job. Um, and a word that, you, that we made up in this room right here today could be in the classroom in a, in a dictionary one day. And um, so I wrote a picture book called Nick's New Word, about seven, 800 words long, sent it to a lot of different editors, all of whom said... Interesting idea, fun idea, you know, really made me think. But it needs to be a chapter book. And I kept saying, oh, but chapter books are so long. I have never written anything that long. And um, But I finally made myself sit down by myself in a room alone and do the thinking and the writing. And um, and then that was rejected eight or nine times. And But one person, all it takes is one, one editor said... I really think there's something here, let's work on it, and then I'll take it to my boss and see what she says. You know, some of the best writing advice I've ever given is, uh, if you're trying to to write a, a narrative, you know, you come up with an idea, you have the first moment. Uh, you know, the first few sentences, something happens or something, you know, has happened, and, and and then you ask yourself one simple question, three short words over and over again. What happens next? Um, and answering that question, okay, I've got this kid, loves to read. He loves to read so much that he's in trouble. Uh, chapter one opens up. He's sitting on, the, on, a, on, a, on a chair outside the principal's office, which is affectionately known in the school as the hot seat, uh, and... Um, and, uh, okay, what happens next? And, and as you answer that question, uh, the story unfolds. And you know you've reached the end when you, when you say, okay, what happens next? Well, I think I've told this story. You know, I, I didn't really set out with a great uh, point to make. Other than that, uh, books are, in fact, wonderful. Um, like everything else in life, you know, uh, too much of anything is too much. Uh, and you have to have balance in your life and your experience. And um, But, I'm, you know, what I always hope for every book, including this one, is that kids will uh, just enjoy the story. Um, there are ideas. There are uh, Uh, characters that I hope will feel real um, and that they'll uh, be able to see themselves there. Uh, This book is very much, you know, one of the great parts for me about this book was that I got to read and reread amazing numbers of books because uh, all these books that the kids in this book, what, what develops into a book club... Um, all those books are are mentioned, and they're and they're the kids are just you know lit up by them and talking about them. Um, so I hope that this book will impel kids to read a lot of the books that are that are talked about. There are a lot of things there that I hope kids will carry away from it that that, that books are worth the time, but that uh, your own life and your own you know we're all in the process of working out our own stories, our you know the story of our own lives, and. Um, And that can be just as interesting and and just as compelling as anything you'll ever read.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Philip Stead, for creating our theme song. A huge shout-out to NCTE for providing us an amazing location for this interview. High-five to my friend Shana Corey for continuing to edit awesome books for kids. Today's episode was edited by me and mixed by my pal, Travis Yonker. Last week, Travis revealed the cover to his debut picture book, the very last castle illustrator mark pat created a really amazing cover i cannot wait to see what's inside that book you can see the cover on travis's blog 100scope notes.com like for real go to 100 scope notes and check it out it's phenomenal if you have an idea for an episode or season of the yarn, send us an email the at gmail.com we're always looking for amazing stories to share i'm colby sharp thanks for listening